When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 231. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. Uh, Ryan, you you don't have any puke on you, right? You're okay? No, I almost threw up while driving. That was fun. <laughs> That's what my yeah. wife was saying to me is that uh, she's really glad that our kids don't throw up because she cannot handle the smell of stomach acid or oh, she will throw up. I... I have no issue with it normally. Thank God for my sunroof because I bought I opened it immediately. <laughs> All the windows down. But out of nowhere, Charlotte just bleh. Yeah, for everyone out of the loop, Ryan has a small child, small child exploded vomit all over the place. Terrible situation. And sorry so. for anyone who doesn't like to think about that, who is listening, because now you're probably also on the edge of throwing <laughs> up and we apologize. But Tyler, how are you? Besides about to go get drunk. I'm doing great. About to go get drunk because tomorrow is uh, kind of a throwaway day for me and the start of a very, very, very long weekend. Um, so I'm de- definitely very excited for that. But um, more than that, excited to talk about what we're about to talk about. I'm doing well. Tyler, I really hope no one that you work with listens to the podcast to where you just said tomorrow's a throwaway day. Yeah, nobody listens. We're good. <laughs> I'm going to uh, I, I remember I, uh, we're on LinkedIn now, Tyler, and I'm putting the episodes out on LinkedIn. So you can cut there. that. You can cut that out. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to. So we had a big couple days in Detroit and we're getting this in on uh, the day of draft wrap up. Today is the 29th of June. Me and Ryan were out at the draft party yesterday. Thank you for everyone who said hi, who came out. It was fun. We had to move it inside because the whole world is burning down. Uh, I was a little echoey. I wish they would have done a little bit more prospect breakdown like they do every year. That was kind of disappointing uh, where they normally have people like Darren or Ken Cal and Art Regner and Daniela out there like breaking down the prospects that we pick and, and giving their stats and what they excel at. And they like cut all that out for another section of the Dan Rafferty band, which no one wanted to hear. So yeah, that was they pretty <laughs> much had ESPN as the filler in between. Like when Rafferty wasn't playing and they didn't have like stuff on the crowd, it was ESPN's broadcast, which wasn't awful. I mean, it was the Sportsnet guys, so you can't really be too upset about that coverage. But at the same time, it did have it did lose some oomph by not having Daniela and the gang out there kind of talking through everything. Yeah, but shout out to the one girl who was throwing shirts who had just an absolute monster of an Dude, arm. She had a cannon. She like, was launching him into the mess. Everything. Just launching them bitches like she was on the ice ice level, getting them up to like throwing up toward the top of the lower bowl. into the second. No, she was almost getting them into the second deck there. Into mezzanine? The mezzanine, almost. Dude, and I mean, it's shocking. like wicked arm. You could have put her center ice and she probably could have hit. You could have pointed out a seat and she probably could have hit it. It was insane. 
a Joe Milton rocket arm. <laughs> that's, Joe that's Milton a rocket arm. Uh, so what we're going to do tonight is, like I said, there's a ton of stuff to cover. So we're going to go through the picks. Uh, we're, I've got detailed notes on like six or seven of them. Uh, and then we're just going to go through stats on, on the rest. Because once you get further in the draft, there's little to no information on the player other than what you glean through the the people talking about them on TV when they get picked. So uh, I've got some pretty extensive notes on the top of the draft. We're going to go over. I, I can't even call it a fleece. Ken Holland gave us players for absolutely nothing. So we're going to go over that. And then we're going to go over the Eiserman presser notes. Those are the three things that are on the docket for tonight. And I want to start with the picks though. Now, you, everyone can yell at me all they want. They already have on Twitter. As soon as I live, we, I was live tweeting and they're like, this pick is awful. But the more I look at it, the more I really like it. It was the same with Marco Casper. So round one, pick nine, Iserman walks up. He actually said thank you to, or he actually said thank you. He congratulated the Golden Knights. He congratulated David Poyle on his career. Normally, Iserman just walks up, says the player's name and like mic drops and walks off. He didn't do that this time. Nate Danielson, center out of the Brandon Wheat Kings, uh, round one, pick nine, six foot two, 187 pounds. So he fits the mole of a larger center. Uh, in 2022, 23, had 68 games, played 33 goals, 45 assists for 78 points. My notes on Nate Danielson, a big playmaking two-way center with exceptional skating and speed. So for his size, he moves very, very well. Uh, he is the first, and I figured this out, Ryan, the first top 10 right shot center drafted by Detroit since Steve Eiserman. So first top 10 since Steve Eiserman, with an honorable mention to Mike Sillinger, who was drafted number 11 in 1989. Mike Sillinger was a right shot. Uh, he has, based on what I have gathered from information I've read about him, from looks I got at him in video review, he has top to middle six upside. Really, all he needs to work on is consistency and using his size to his advantage in like going to the corner and winning puck battles. Other than that, the dude's polished. He looks really good. Iserman goes for like the high IQ guys. He played in uh, for Team Canada in the World Juniors. He wore the C for the Wheat King, so you know he's got that leadership quality. And it seems like Nate Danielson, if if you're gonna stack the middle and you draft a guy like that, and down the middle in three years or however long is Larkin, Casper, Danielson, and whoever you want is your 4C, make that Valeno or Rasmussen or whatever you want to do, you're set on center. Mm -hmm. Because I think any of these guys, and I think the bigger thing is any of these guys, if there's an injury to someone like Larkin or someone toward the top, these guys can flex up because of their skill set, because of how polished they are. Like, Danielson's build right now, he may be able to put on six foot two. He should probably get over 200 pounds. But I mean, he not he's NHL, he's ready an NHL yet. body right now, though. He's an NHL body right now. But I mean, maybe he plays in Toledo next season. Maybe he goes back to Brandon to the juniors. Maybe he plays in Grand Rapids, depending on how ready he is. But mm -hmm. he is one of the more polished players that I've seen come out of this draft. And I'm not mad that they picked him at nine. Because I think he was mocked between 15 and the mid-20s. I love the idea of a big-bodied right-handed center. And you hit the nail on the head with how he can... Like, his shot is beautiful. He's got a great... Especially when it's in tight. And he can put it pretty much wherever he wants to. From, like, when you watch through the videos. 
got one just playing in the background now just to see some of the things that he can do out there. His vision's fantastic. He can skate through guys pretty much with ease. I get it. It's juniors and kind of take it with a grain of salt to an extent because how's that going to translate out? But he's not afraid to try things in terms of like skating through a guy's feet, getting the puck or deacon throw in that in that sense. And then he's not afraid to shoot. What's Detroit need? Guys that shoot. We didn't get any fun trades or crazy trades that happen. But I mean, I think we all were surprised by him being picked. I'm not like when you read about him and you watch him, you understand why he fits a lot of what we kind of talk about with Iserman looking for a big body player that knows how to use his body. I mean, sometimes when you watch him kind of going around, he doesn't have the speed, but the way he kind of bodies himself through people, I'm not saying this is how he is, but he kind of reminds me of McKinnon a little bit also with the same number. And to me, that's impressive. I know on elite prospects, they gave him a comparable of Filipino, which not going bad there either. So there's and your highlight, which I think I was muted when you mentioned it. He wears the C. I knew you would love that one. So that, again, speaks to a lot of what Detroit has seemingly been going for the last several years. But it's a minor detail, but it's one that's still important enough as it is. I think a lot of that talks to getting players that play for each other, that know the importance of a team, that know how to work with a team and work with each other to improve each other's game. Like David Perron basically says, you're all basically cheer- cheerleaders for each other. You're all in there working together as a unit to support each teammate individually as well. And that's what the leadership qualities do. So guys that wear the letter, they wear the letter because they have those attributes. And when you get a lot of them in the room that have done that before, they all understand the the teamwork, the culture, the relying upon each other that goes into it. And they've all got each other's backs in that kind of situation. So I think that's part of what Iserman's trying to do is just build up that kind of network of guys with leadership skill. Because if you've got all former captains and alternate captains on a team, you know that the reliability factor is there. Yeah, I mean, initially I was stunned kind of, kind of like the more cider pick. I was kind of a little stunned. It was very similar, a very similar feeling. I'm like, who? And then I looked and I'm like, okay, well, they didn't reach too, too much on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, elite prospects had him at 20, 26. Some some had him between yeah. 13. So, I mean, they they didn't reach too, too much, I don't think. Um, if he's your guy, I've always kind of had that mentality of if he's your guy and that's really who you want, you take him whether he's at, whether you're at, you know, six or you're at nine or you're at 18 or wherever you're at. If you want that guy and he's available and you don't think he's going to be there past where you pick again, then you take that player because you know, and that's one thing I do admire about Steve Eisman. There's a lot of things, obviously, that we do, but that's certainly one thing. He he takes the guys that he wants to take. He beats to the tune of his own drum, kind of thing, and and I respect that. Draper said the same thing. Draper said, "You make a list and you follow your list, and you take the next guy on your list if he's available." There's not a forward list and a defenseman list. There's a single one. And it just happened to land. A lot of people are mad because we took a lot of defensemen. But that's the way their list shook out. They were not going to pass on what they considered best player available because it didn't work positionally. So I just the one thing that I question is like you already have a lot of defensemen in the system. How many more do you need? 
Yeah, I mean, you look at they went for a lot of right shot defensemen this time around, though. Yeah, Sandy and Palika is, is obviously we'll talk about that, but that one I was I was stunned. I was so happy about. I mean, a right shot defenseman uh, with the upside of of like an Eric Carlson or maybe a Chris Letang kind of. But going back to Nate Danielson, just real quick to reel it in, um, kind of reminds me a little bit of a Michael Rasmussen a little bit. Um, I don't know, maybe a better skating Michael Rasmussen. Looks like he goes to the hard areas, maybe a little bit better hand, so maybe not the perfect comparison. Yeah, but- I was I was gonna kind of go the opposite way of you there. He's like he's a ninth pick center. Most people are gonna think of big Mike, but the difference is, is that Mike Ras I don't know why I keep calling him Mike, Michael Rasmussen keeps sitting. He likes to Mike, sit- Mike, 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 Mike. Even at going into the draft, Raz was known for being that net front guy doing everything right in then and there that hasn't changed a whole lot. Yes. We know how he's like grown and since that point, but that's what he his like bread and butter was Danielson. The dude can move. That's I think the big differentiator in terms of what they're getting from him. And I think that's going to be huge. Now, the work on from one of the dra- the scouting reports I was looking at was his consistency and how he handles puck battles. So using that size to his advantage. But we've already seen that what Detroit can bring in terms of growing that aspect with like Rasmussen, for instance, that is if we can get him through those pieces, I think we'll be just fine. You know, it's the 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 one thing that I wonder about, and it's obviously something that time will just tell. But um, we always talked about when the wings are actually ready to win, who's going to be the number one center? Is it going to be Dylan Larkin? Is it going to be um, is it going to be someone that they bring in like an Austin Matthews? Or I'm just bringing that name up. <laughs> That's but an hell of a name to just drop. Is is it someone like that, or is it one of these guys? Is it Casper? Is it? Uh, Nate Danielson is it someone like that like that's that's the the question that we all don't know because nobody that Eisman's drafted so far other than maybe Moritz Sider has turned into like a, a quote-unquote star yet obviously there's still time and there's still um, you know a lot to be said about that um, and we obviously have to be patient with it but um, we just haven't seen that yet so I mean especially at the center position so this is a wait and see. I, I really think that Danielson could be a good player. Like I said, initially I was I was stunned, but the more I look into it, the more I like the pick. Yeah, that goes back to the whole building center depth. Because if you look at Casper, you look at Danielson, you look at Larkin, you're getting really good depth there with just solid all-around pieces. Because if you look at it, Casper's a two-way center. Larkin's a two-way center. Danielson's a two-way center. That's what you're getting defensive as well as offense. Do, does either Casper or Danielson project as a number one center, though? I don't think so. I think Casper... And that's the disappointing part, I think. Uh, projections, though, grain of salt, right? I mean, did Kuro Kaprizov, as a fifth-round pick, project to be what he is? I don't I don't think so. That's true. So. I mean, you're right. I mean, it all kind of depends on the development. And, you know, you have diamonds in the rough, but it seems like we haven't gotten lucky with that just yet. And, you know, maybe that's coming, but it's just a matter of time, hopefully. So we're going to move on to pick number 17 in round one. And this is where I don't get mad, because if you took Danielson at nine, I think Axel Sandin Palika at 17 is a steal because he totally could have gone at nine. I think he is... It has the possibility to be one of the best, if not the best defenseman in the entire draft. 
So my notes on him, a sub six foot. So he's 5'11". He's like an inch away. Uh, right shot defenseman. So something we are absolutely missing. Uh, who is all offense without sacrificing defense. He averaged eight minutes a game in the SHL. So that's real low time. The SHL loves to play vets over rookies. But he had a .23 point per game average, which landed him only behind Victor Hedman and Rasmus Stalin for the SHL draft year production by a defenseman. Uh, so those are really good names to be in the company of if you want to talk about offensive production for defensemen. In juniors, though, he averaged 1.16 points per game, which was the highest production by a D-man this season. He's an agile, deceptive skater, great speed, great edge work, high accurate shot from all over the offensive zone. He's not just like a pick a spot and shoot kind of guy. He can score from everywhere, which is fantastic. He's very strong on his feet. Uh, he needs to work a bit on his strength and play under pressure. But like I said, he could be the best defenseman of the draft if his development continues the way it, it has, because he absolutely shone out at the World Juniors, and it, he was fantastic. So I'm very excited. Uh, he also had to drive 15 hours to the draft uh, on just getting like a driver's license recently because uh, I think his flight got delayed or something. Someone's flight got canceled or delayed and he had to drive to the draft, which is insane to me. But very exciting pick. I am uh, like I said, if we would have picked him at nine, I probably would have still been OK with it. But that is the that's the kind of guy you want to get is someone like that who on the right side where we have a point of weakness Right underneath Mo, I think he's going to slot in perfectly with a guy who is maybe more defense, like an Edvinson, Sandin, Palika grouping. Fantastic. Kind of gives you shades of uh, a Lidstrom Rafalski, if you will. That's a it's a bit of a stretch, but you got big, towering lefty stud defenseman with a small, shifty right hand shot defenseman. Maybe, maybe. Almost like Iserman knows what he's doing, right? <laughs> I just like it because I think I tweeted out like this is a Rafalski 2.0. And he, he ranged anywhere from on, on elite prospects going from seven to what was the low that they had him at? 15? 16. Yeah, so, so 16. getting him at 17, phenomenal. And, and, and really depending on who you talk to. Some had him as the top defenseman in the draft, knowing that granted, yes, he is an offensive defenseman. I mean, you could argue that it's like looking at an, a future Eric Carlson. I'm not saying that's how he will be, but like that's the the mindset you got to use for it in terms of what he can do offensively. And to be a righty, huge. I like what Elite Prospects draft guide mentioned, how he's evasive, but also a transition ace, meaning coming out of his own, own zone, he's going to light it up. And hey. What does that sound like with who we drafted the last several years? Guys that have been able to just come out of our zone extremely well. Cider, Edvinson, yeah. Johansson, Wallander. Now you're adding Pelica. I mean, come on. I think that's what Tony said the same thing. I think Tony liked Sandine Pelica more than Reinbacher. Reinbacher went high. What, Reinbacher fifth? Like Fourth. that was No. Fifth? It was fifth. Mo it was fifth, fifth Montreal, because Carey Price. Yeah. Yeah, rest is Yeah, because oh, <laughs> that was a blunder of all blunders. That was like the uh, Philadelphia Flyers are proud to select from Gatineau. Oops, I forgot. Carey <laughs> Price's Mont brain. Drew. His brain 404 mid mid sentence where you can see yeah. he's like, uh, David. David? 
Uh, and then every everyone in, in the crowd named David's like, is it me? Who, who am I the one that is being picked? But that was, uh, and then they're like, oh, we planned that. We're like, no, you didn't. Shut up. But I think Tony said the same thing is that he thinks that Sandin Pelica could be the best defenseman of this draft. Just based on the trajectory that he has progressed in, in having this amazing season in juniors where, like I said, I mean, right behind big names. And it's just, I mean, I can't, I can't find a downside to it because the things that they say that are his weaknesses, like strength and play under pressure, those can be easily fixed. I mean, those are system things like you can teach that. It's very teachable. It's not like bad skating, a little hard to teach. IQ, impossible to teach. Both those things are in the bag for him. Doesn't matter. Like I said, if this if you took Danielson, if you could just say without numbers, our first two first round our two first round picks were San Pelica and Danielson. Great. You had a great first round. Yeah, I was I, I said it earlier and I know this you could argue was like the same type of setup almost with the Lions where the picks that they made, most people would have thought they would have been flipped. And right now you just can't be upset. I think a, l- a little bit I was a little bummed that we didn't go for after after like an Oliver Moore, but we got a position of need. I think it's a slam dunk of a pick, especially if he turns into be, you know, a top three defenseman on your team. Um, even if he's in the top four, I mean, that's a huge win. Um, you know, building building it from the defense out is is kind of where it looks like Eisenman's trying to do it. And I mean, you know, Craig Button had him as number five. So, I mean, he could have went in the top five in some cases. Dude, I so. think Craig Button does shrooms before he does his mock draft because some of his <laughs> picks are absolutely insane. Some of them are insane and some of them are spot on, but Dauber had him at nine recruiting recruit scouting at him at eight. So there was, he was top 10 in a lot of cases. So, I mean, to get him at 17 is a huge win. And then also like, I mean, we talked about the, the offensive upside. We talk about having to score a lot more goals, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, but like, to be able to score goals from the back end is huge too. So uh, you just look at the Vegas Golden Knights; they did it all playoffs long. So um, you know that that would be huge to have a player like you know uh, the the comparables are Chris Letang or um, what was the other one? Is it uh, Ryan's comparable is Brian Rafalski? Yeah, Brian Rafalski, Chris Letang, that kind of defenseman. I know some people say Carlson. Very but anytime some. Anytime someone is a is a good offensive defenseman that doesn't play a lot of defense, you get the Eric Carlson comparison. So, yeah. and that's that's where like Greg, you mentioned throwing him with an Edmondson. Like you know, Edmondson's aggressive. He's got a great offensive upside to him, but he also is a smooth shutdown guy, or is going to be built into that. And we've already seen flashes of it in his short time in Detroit. So that type of duo, if that's going to be your long term outlook, love it. Yeah, and I uh, just to kill this subject, I wonder how much Iserman knows about the plans of other GMs and not so much like specific draft plans, but just like, are they going to take forward? Are they going to take defense? Because maybe he was able to say, I'm looking at these teams between one and 15 or one and 16 and know that only one of them is going to take a defenseman. So maybe my forward that I want in Nate Danielson, maybe he's not going to be available at 17 because another team's going to take him. But knowing that only Montreal is going to take defense, my defenseman will be there at 17. I would be interested to see how much other GMs know about other teams' draft plans. 
Probably not much, I wouldn't think. I mean, there's. But I, mean, I mean, but I mean by just looking at their team and prospect pool makeup. I mean, you know that they're watching and or listening to like the pundits and what they're in they're doing their research or these people on their team are doing their research on what it is teams are needing or trying to stock up on the cabinet with. So you got to think that they've got someone specific that looks at the team or his scouts probably have the, that input for him. Uh, you, you also look at like the draft history too. Like you can look, okay, um, this GM tends to fill needs where this GM tends to take best player available. I know in a lot of cases, you know, after like the second or third round, you start to take best player available no matter what, like no matter what the positional need is. But, um, you know, some defensemen or some general managers will say, you know what, we need a defenseman. I don't care where we're picking in the top 15. We're we're taking a defenseman, even if he doesn't deserve to be there. And some some general managers will say, you know what, we're taking the best player available because that's what we need to do. And I'm sure that that either the scouts or Eiserman himself went back and looked at some of the history. It's like, okay, well, this this general manager seems to take best player available. This general manager seems to take uh, as needed. They need a defenseman, or they don't need a defenseman. They have a lot in the cupboard already. So Sandine Palika is going to fall to Detroit at seventeen. That kind yeah, of yeah. It's thing. like it's like playing weird strategy games. I bet you Iserman is really good at like risk. Bet she plays a lot of board games. But uh, round two, pick forty-one, and this one I really like too. Uh, goalie goes off the board, and Trey Augustine, who played for the US NTDP. Six foot one, 190 pounds uh, in 2022-23 in the US NTDP juniors. He had 14 games played with a 2-3-4 goals against and a 9-2-8 save percentage. And for the US National under 18, 33 games played with a 2-13 goals against and a 9-2-6 save percentage. Uh, he was called impossible to beat in regulation this year by Chris Peters from Flow Hockey. He could be the best goalie in this draft. He gives us another real option after COSA. Um, he constantly, he's constantly on. That was another comment uh, made about him. He is always prepared, never takes a minute off. He broke some USNTDP records this season. He'll be headed to Michigan state next season. I believe he was uh 44, two and two was his record this season. And I mean, due to super happy to be here. If you go back and listen to, uh, the Red Wings interview with him, he's a technical goalie, great overall skill, excellent puck tracking, I can't say enough good things about him. The only downside someone said is, well, he's only six one because you look at these other goalies that are going and they're like six foot five, six, a six foot seven goalie went like that's insane to me. But Trey Augustine, I think, has the opportunity to be the best goalie coming out of this draft and give us an absolute solid backup choice behind Kosa. So the more you can stock your cupboard with very, very high end goalies especially when you had three picks in a row so you could just use one on a goalie. I mean, that's, I think, again, another slam dunk pick right here. Yeah, especially because he's going to be going, he'll be right in the backyard at Michigan State. and You you can't go wrong there. I mean, he already was in the backyard at the development team, but um, you're going to appreciate this. Elite prospects give Augustine shades of Carter Hart. He's also from South Lyon, Michigan. Oh, I was about to say that. But you know what? It's, it's, this is when I, I had this on at work, just in the background. And um, 
just seeing, you know, the the wings taking someone from South Lyon, Michigan, gave me shades of, of what I thought that, that the wings were going to do going forward, taking a lot of Michigan guys. Because did you see the Minnesota Wild? They took like five guys from the state of Minnesota. Well, they're they're copying us now. So I wonder how much goes into like if there's any kind of psychology behind playing closer to home or playing and then your days off, you can be with your family improves not just a player's performance, but just like making them more at ease on ice and and letting them know, well, when you're done, you have like you can go home to your family and stuff like this. So I wonder if there's any little any bit of psychology to that, that maybe that's something that they're leaning on. It's possible. I mean, also, you know, the, the wings um, seem to like the Michigan guys if they can get their hands on them. Obviously, they haven't been able to, um, you know, in some cases. But um, it seems like the the Michigan guys seem to like to play for the wings and, you know, likewise with the Bruins and Boston and stuff like that. So, well, just to add to, to Trey, he said he grew up watching games at Joe Lewis Arena. Uh, so that's, I mean, a big plus there. He also calls himself an athletic butterfly goalie. I like it. I'll take that. I know. So I saw some people talking shit about the pick online. Like, oh, we have Kosa. You can never have enough fucking goaltending depth. Goalies are voodoo, man. It, development can go. Remember Philip Larson, guys? Does anyone remember yes. Philip Larson? Yes. And all the amazing accolades from playing at where he played Denver. All yep. the amazing accolades that he had. And then he fell off the face of the planet. Because goalies are voodoo. Their development path is insane. Most of them don't make it to the league until they're 25 or older. It's just the smallest little thing could go wrong in their development path, and then they're done. So I think it's changed a little bit with the Carter Hearts and the Devin Levi's and those guys. Well, sure, but th- those are special players. Like it's You got two out of how many goalies? Yeah. I mean, Spencer I mean, Knight's another one, though. Yeah. Hopefully he can figure it out, though. Yeah, like, right? Like, he's like, going through some shit, too. Yeah, I think and that's Now you've got guys stuff, like Askarov, yeah. and now apparently he's available with Nashville. Yeah, Nashville's like, trying to trade him out. And he's been doing pretty well for them. I don't think they ever thought that, that you know, that Saros would be as good as he is. Yeah. I don't know. It's just you've got a position where there's only one, like, two of them on your team. You've got so many forwards. You've got so many defensemen. There's two goalies on an NHL team, two to three, depending on how many you're going to carry. But it, you need to make sure that they're ready when you put them in the NHL. And that's why the development takes so long. And, I mean, we've got, like you said, we've got Kosa. People keep forgetting that we have Carter Guylander. I think Carter Guylander still has the opportunity to be a really good goalie. He was very good in college. I think that he could make the move to the ECHL or maybe even Grand Rapids, depending on what they want to do. But like you said, you can never have too many high-quality goalie prospects. And I would say that based on, and maybe not just the season that Trey Augustine had, but I think you could put him up there with Akosa. With the way he plays, I think he's more calm and more poised than Kosa is. Kosa can be a little erratic sometimes. But if you go in and you can develop two goalies and put them into your team like two goalies that you drafted and you developed and they're that high quality and you don't have to spend assets or money to get a really 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 good starting goaltender that's a huge win Mm -hmm. no it's and you need it because you look at these other teams like new york for instance 
they had several good young goalies. And in a way, it worked out great because now you got what Shesterkin in net, and he's absolutely killing it. They had to make the necessary change because if you've got these young guys that are competing with each other, they're going to force your hand, whether it's going to be a contract or you're getting traded out for a hell of a draft capital or whatever else you try to pull out of it. So they need the competition, and Detroit, just in general, across all levels, needs goalies. So you can't be upset with what they made on the pick here. You can be, but you're probably miserable. So, But don't be. Stop it. Be happy. Yeah. I've got notes on a couple more people uh, that we're going to go through, and I'll just do stats on the rest of them. Andrew Gibson. Andrew Gibson I have very few notes on. Uh, Solid defender, has some playmaking ability, a solid in transition. He needs to work on his timing to make his offense work. This is a little slow. Huge difference between NHL speed and junior speed but he needs to be able to time his stuff to make his offense work. If he can improve his skating and his breakout, uh, his transition's already pretty good, but if he can improve the skating and breakout, he could become a bottom pair shutdown guy. That's basically the the thing on Andrew Gibbs. That's the entire read. He was picked number 42 in the draft. He is, uh, let me pull my notes back up. He is six foot three, 203 pounds, so he's big. In 45 games played, had seven goals, 14 assists for 21 points. Like I said, projected bottom pair shutdown D. That's what he is. Yeah, you need. And this big, is where I lose Ryan and Tyler. Pretty much. But I mean, you, you need your big body defenseman. And they, sure. Detroit's hurting in terms of just guys that are going to go out and fucking hit you. Because he reminds you, you could probably compare him to what that Cleveland that they picked up as well. Yeah, he's the one I have, I have very. That, my notes on Brady Cleveland are great. Yeah, like you could probably make a comparison between the two of they're just going to go out there, they're going to shut you down and then get the puck going back the other other way. And that's that. So you can't be mad. And isn't uh, Gibson a righty? Yes, he is. Would you look at that? They've completely restocked their cupboards of right shot defensemen, which have pretty much all seemingly gone away. Remember the days when the only right shot defenseman on the team was Brian Rafalski and he was on the first D pair? Well, because he had to be, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you look at the rest of the D at that time, and you weren't really upset that that was the only right shot defense. No, it was it was what um, Lidstrom, Cronwall, Stewart, Falski, Lidstrom, who's and the pairing? Lelia Lebda, might have been. Good times. So the next one, uh, round two, pick forty-seven, Brady Cleveland. My notes on Brady Cleveland: Brady big, Brady go boom. Committed to University of Wisconsin. Go watch some highlights of this guy. He's six foot five, two oh nine currently. Uh, that's as an 18-year-old, six foot five, two hundred and nine pounds, 74 games played, no goals, nine assists for nine points. Dude's a monster. He basically called himself a bottom paired defenseman, which is accurate. Uh he's he's there to destroy people. Think Think six foot five, two hundred and ten pound Radko Gudis, um, whose only job is to take out everything he sees wearing skates. I mean, it's fantastic. I the pick. I mean, you had three in a row. Like we traded back to to get this pick with Nashville, and we picked up a, a really really late pick. But if he makes the NHL ever, and he's just sent in to destroy people. I'm not sure I have a huge issue with it because it doesn't seem like he gives up 
Like, that's what he does. Like, he's very defensively, not very, but he's defensively sound because whoever has the puck no longer has the puck when he looks at them. So I think that's just basically what what he'd be there to do is go in and destroy people. So I'm not mad about it. This is Soderblom on defense. It's Soderblom if he used his size to his advantage. Then we're going to go. Ryan has nothing. Ryan just nods and says yes. Uh, round three, pick 73. So the last one I have decently extensive notes on it because we've talked about him previously. The Red Wings draft Noah Dower Nilsson. Great story. He gets drafted where his brother goes. And I mean, he's just super happy, dude. Six foot, 185 pounds, 47 games played, 34 goals, 38 assists, 72 points. Great playmaking ability as well as offensive skill. Pretty raw talent. You can go back and listen to our talk with Tony. He's got a lot of offense. Tony has seen it as being a product of being in the right place at the right time. It's just offense happens to him. uh, And just he makes these insane. He's probably the most insane plays in the league this season. And they just they worked, which for some reason, like he's like, I'm going to pass it through 15 people and right onto the tape and it's going to work. Or I'm going to wrap it in from around the net to a guy at the dot. and He's going to shoot it in. Just insane plays. Offense just happens for him. Not sure if that's an asset or not, because that's not something that I think is translatable between leagues, really. Um, He was really good at international play this season and has been pretty dominant for Furlanda junior team. He's one that I think we really have to keep tabs on on his development because his tools are raw. But if it's something where he moves to North America and you see the same thing happening. It's something that could be really exciting. And I think he was projected higher than 73. So at 73, I mean, it's a good pick. Waiting on Tyler. He's just staring just like I'm staring. I I mean, I, I, like I said, I like the pick. I mean, to, to bring in him and you didn't you know, say his that brother, though. His brothers are, his brother's already in the, the system. I mean, that's huge. Uh, like I said, I mean, obviously once it gets to like the third round and stuff like that, you're starting to throw darts at the board and hoping they stick. But I mean, if he can become an impact player or even someone that makes the roster, you'll be happy with that. I know we talked about it and brought him up um, with Tony. So it's, it's actually pretty neat to see that he was brought in might be a little bit more upside there, but we'll have to just wait and see. I mean, it was, it was great that his brother and his family were there to all experience it together. Like the the wings posted a fantastic video of the brothers exchanging a huge hug. So we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, we got the prospect tournament coming up. They're not the prospect tournament development camp. Excuse me. That's this weekend. This weekend starts the first through the fifth. So that'll be enjoyable. Hopefully they'll have some stuff posted online. I probably won't be able to get down to LCA, but that is what it is. Yeah. The story there was basically they, they lost their mom to cancer when, uh, they were 14 and 12 respectively. Uh, it took a huge hit on him. He's been doing things though, like a lot of emotional support stuff. He's been going to get help for it, which is again, something you want to see with your prospects. They're, they're working on themselves to get mm-hmm. themselves in the right mindset. Uh, he also had an injury, which kind of derailed his, his season this season. He took off on an insane start. It was like 30 points in 22 games or something. And like I say, he got injured, derailed it a little bit, got back on track. If the offense can translate, you've got a great bottom six, just like goal score, which is fantastic. Just makes offense happen. But it's again, it's a little bit of it's got he's got a lot of work to do to get to that point. 
Uh, round four, pick 117, Larry Keenan, left defenseman, six foot three, 185, 49 games played, 11 goals, 26 assists for 37 points. His grand, uh, what I have about him, his grandfather is also named Larry Keenan, he, who had a very long NHL career in the 60s and 70s. Uh, played for several teams. I don't know very much about Larry Keenan. Uh, Jack Phelan, round four, pick 137. He's a right defenseman, six foot two, 185. 59 games played, one goal, four assists for five points. He's an overager. Again, another defenseman. I think uh, Jack Phelan is 20, so he's like two years removed from the draft, which is, uh, again, sometimes it happens. They're late bloomers. They improve decently like Buchelnikov did, and then they get drafted. So uh, this is another one that I like. Kevin Bickers, a forward, round five, pick 147 out of Adler-Mannheim. Who else do we know from Adler-Mannheim? Mo Sider came from Adler Mannheim. Uh, Kevin Bicker, six foot one, one seventy six, in twenty one games played, ten goals, eleven assists for twenty one points. The broadcast said that he will punch you in the face. Uh, he's an aggressive forward. I'm starting to notice a, a pattern here. Yeah, he's an aggressive forward on a bad team, uh, but impressed on his own. He had a really good World Junior tournament. They got Mo a German friend. They say he, if anyone's going to be quote unquote a sleeper style pick. It could be him because, again, you're scouting out of the DEL where the competition is not great. But if you can scout an individual based on what you see in their game against the competition, you could hit. So this is one that they say could be a hit because just his style of play and his individual play really kind of jumped out. Plus, he's got the grit in the sandpaper that the team kind of needs. So that's uh, Kevin Bicker. I found literally... Two pictures of him online, one of which I used for our graphic. Uh, pick 169. Nice. Round six. Rudy uh, Guillemond is how I'm going to say it. He's a goalie. Six foot four. One hundred. Yeah, sure. Six foot four, 179 pounds. He played 28 games for Taft with a 940 save percentage and played 33 games for the Yale junior team with a 939 save percentage again. Depth goalie piece, see what happens there. And then the final pick of the draft for the Red Wings, 201 in round seven, was Emmett Finney, who is a six foot 170 pound forward from the Kamloops Blazers. In 64 games played, had nine goals, 26 assists for 35 points. They say he's another one that maybe could be a sleeper. He was buried on a really good Kamloops team. Next season, he should get an increased role there, and we'll see how he develops with an increased role. But that was the Red Wings draft in a nutshell. Uh, like I said, notes on the top people because they're easy to find notes and video on. Not a lot on the bottom picks. Overall, and if I had to grade it, and I'm going to make you guys grade it too because I have to do it. Um, based on my research today on the people that we picked, the Wings for me are getting a B+. Plus based on the first two rounds alone, because Pat, that's really all you can grade on. Not that they just drafted for need, but they picked up who I think can be the best defenseman in the draft. They picked up a middle to top six center to go along with Larkin and Casper. They picked up possibly the best goaltender in the draft to go with Kosa. I think if you base it on that alone, I've got to give it a B plus. I'll go a solid B. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't really want to go one way or the other. I'll, I'll do some little more 
reading and research once I finally get the time to do so. Um, but like, I mean, going off the logic you provided, you, it's to me, it's foolproof. Like they went after need. I know Eiserman says best available, but both things are what this team and their depth they needed. So whether that's going to be maybe one of these guys make it to Grand Rapids this year, if not, if they do, that's fantastic. I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, but they went after things that hopefully over the next three to four years will make them better. So I, I, I like it. I there's certain certain ones like I mean we talked about Oliver Moore, how he dropped. That's guy that I thought we would would have gotten at either eight nine or seventeen, but it is what it is. We've had that same thought about Eisenman the last couple of years in a way, and he shut us all up very quickly. So to be upset about this, that's on you at this point. You can, you can go ahead and take it, but the the first round you look at Eisenman's history, he hasn't really missed. Yeah, I'm going to say it's obviously the jury's still to be out, but on the surface, it looks like a B, a B plus somewhere around there. I'm not going to say specifically, um, but somewhere around in that neighborhood. You can't really be mad about this. They went and they got they they identified what they needed. Um, It turned out to be the best player available and need at the same time in a lot of these cases. And obviously, once you get past the third round, it's kind of like throwing shit against the wall and hoping it sticks. So and with that, what we're going to do is take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the uh, Ken Holland giving away free shit. And we're going to talk about the Iserman press. We're going to wrap it up. Um, We'll be right back after a message from DraftKings. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-HOPENY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas in West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus legal required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. And we're back. And there was a very, I said it too sad, right, Ryan? You did. Such a good yeah, I was like, like, man, that was Oh, God, depressing. we're back. No, okay. And we're back. Is that better? It's That's like a better, better, like, intro. All right. Yeah, it was and, better. Yeah. Too. <laughs> Thank you. And Ken Holland gave us people. And, like, it's great when, was, when you look. Did he you, lose his phone? And Iserman just, like, walked over and be like, I'm sending you this deal. <laughs> And Eisenman's like, oh, my God, look what he's doing. So Ken Holland's in a little bit of a bind because Edmonton has no money and they've got people to sign. Like, they want to keep Evan Bouchard. Like, that would be great for them. They really want to do that. So they had to drop some cap. And what they did basically was we took, for future considerations, the most traded player in NHL history, Klim Kostin, former St. Louis Blue, right? Former St. Louis Blue. Arbitration eligible. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. 
And uh, we got Kyler Yamamoto, who has like a $3.2 million contract. So that is what we we basically were paid. We basically took Kyler Yamamoto's contract to get Clem Costin for free, I think is what happened there. The real Clem Shady. Yeah, great. Apparently he loves, or they called him Clem Shady. And now that makes me want, I was talking to Pete about this earlier. The Wings need individual goal songs back now, just so Slim yes. Shady plays if Clem Costin's out there. So the initial report was that Clem Costin was going to go back to the KHL. That's what was going to happen this season. And oh. then when Again. he heard he was traded or his agent heard he was traded, they're Who's like, the we're going to do, uh, I don't remember, we're going to do contract talks with Steve Eiserman. That's basically what's going to happen. Eiserman was also asked in his presser, uh, his draft floor presser, about Clem Costin. He's like, we think he can work up the lineup. So what happened, and I put out a tweet about it, Earlier, Clem Costin got very limited ice time in um, in Edmonton. He was stuck behind. I mean, it's a deep team, so he was stuck in the bottom. The Oilers had no room for him. His finishing numbers and goal per 60s are really good. So based on Jay Fresh's war projections, 59 percent war, but his finishings at an 80 percent. His goals per 60 is at an 80 percent. I pulled his card up on evolving hockey Overall, 42 with an offensive 43, a defensive 37. But he's got positive five on five offensive numbers, like positive GAR, positive XGAR. And his penalty numbers are he draws far more penalties than he takes. So I think there's opportunity there for someone like Clem Kassin. And taking Kyler Yamamoto is not a bad thing. Like no. Kyler Yamamoto, again, his evolving hockey cards at overall 57 with an offense of 54 and a defense of 54. He has positive even strength gar and x gar. He takes more pen or he draws more penalties than he takes. Good power play numbers, good PK numbers. He's a pretty solid forward. I mean, he's 24 years old. People don't like old. him that much cuz he's undersized. So is Alex Debrinket. No, I know, but I'm just I'm just I'm I know. just saying that's like, my that's my response to like people saying that. Like who gives a shit? So he's got a 59% war on the J Fresh cards with a 57 offense and a 53 defense. His competition's at an 88%. I mean, it, again, you're burying people behind two of the top players in the NHL. And when you're giving them limited minutes and you're expecting them to blow up and just be great, it's not going to happen. Now, Kyler Yamamoto on the Red Wings is probably, again, going to be a bottom six player. But my third line. He can play winger center. And if you make him your fourth line center, like plus his nickname is Yams. I'm totally <laughs> taking that, man. That's a there's a new T-shirt. Get a yam. We need the Yams and real Clem Shady. I'm going to make that a T-shirt. There you go. You're welcome. So, I mean, it's uh, to get him for free. And if they don't work out, they don't work out. Whatever. But does Kyler Yamamoto fill the other thing I looked at is does Kyler Yamamoto fill the Pia Suter hole? I wouldn't say that. Maybe. He's not a center. He, he is he a hybrid center. right wing and center. Suter's more the center that you would you know Pia Suter played a lot of wing this yes. last season. That's true. I guess I guess you can compare the two. You're right. So I think that if you're just looking for a suitor fill in and you got Yamamoto for free. And he's on a he's got one year left on his deal at like three point two mil. I mean, I'm going to take it and I'm going to take Clem Costin. I'm going to give him mid six minutes <laughs> and see what he can do. 
It might be a stretch if we're hoping that Yamamoto is going to be playing center, though. He had six wins, seven losses all of last season. Yeah, he's not a center. So maybe not. We can pump the brakes maybe on the replacement for Suter at center on the PK. But he does do play. He can play the PK. I mean, again, I'm going to take free players when people give me free players. I'm going to figure out what to do with them later. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, so I agree can, with that, especially when it's coming from Ken Holland. And if Clem Costin has to decide between playing for the Red Wings or going and joining the war, I think he's going to play for the Red Wings. Uh, and that's what's going to happen, because I don't think he's going to the KHL. And I think Iserman can outbid the KHL team that would, would want him anyways. Um, but that's that's that. I mean, there's not really much more to it. You could plug both guys into the lineup tomorrow, and I think each of them add to the team. Based yeah, on the what team got better today than well, it did. Great, yeah. Clem Costin replaces Adam Ernie. That's basically your Adam Ernie replacement is Clem yeah. Costin. And he's better immediately. Fantastic. So the last thing I want to cover tonight, and we're going to do it pretty quickly here. Iserman did a 10-minute draft floor media availability where Helene St. James continued to piss him off. It was fantastic. Like every time she asks a question, he gives her like a death glare waits like five seconds before answering her question to kind of let it process in his brain. And then just gives the most deadpan boring answer you could ever give. And it's hilarious. So quick notes. Iserman says Kostin is a big, hard playing winger. He can find room higher in the lineup. He thinks he can get more opportunity there. Uh, he skates well, played on a deep team. He thinks he can take on a bigger role in Detroit. Fantastic. He's trying to figure out what the plan for him and Yama, him and Yamamoto is. Doesn't know yet. Do you think Yamamoto gets bought out? No, I, he's twenty four. Why would I you know, buy but, him out? I mean, he. It's it's just a random thought. I was reading. Was it Duff or Hockey Now had a mention of yes. I mean, they only have until tomorrow, right, to make that choice. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just wave him and send him to Grand Rapids. Huh? Wave him and send him to Grand Rapids. Right. I don't think there's any issue there. No, I mean, he's, again, he's not getting waves. He's not getting, he's an NHL. He's, there's no way he goes to the AHL. Okay. Wave Anyways. him and then someone picks him up and then he's someone else's problem, right? I mean, he got him for free. So there's nothing. You got to lose. him for free. If you can trade right? him, who the hell knows? So I don't think there's an issue there. They'll, they'll do something, but I think Yamamoto in his capacity, I think there's still more to unlock there. I mean, he again buried behind really good players. Uh, he needs to get a goalie signed. He's also looking for a right defenseman. So those are two things that he's looking for. There are spots open that they will try to address in free agency. He would also like to address scoring if possible. Trades are still possible. That was another big highlight there. He's like, yes, I'm talking to people about trades. I've been talking about people trades for three days. Stop asking me about that. He wants to spend time with the guys at Dev Camp, set them up for good offseason. On qualifying free agents, they will make the final decisions tomorrow because they have to. He yeah. was asked specifically about, um, who was it, Ned? He was asked specifically about Ned. He would not give any answers. He basically said he doesn't want to give anything away. Same thing about UFAs. Nothing's been ruled out, but he didn't want to elaborate. Iserman, Steel Trap, wants you to shut your mouth and stop asking questions, but he's going to take them anyways because he has to. Uh, he says the free agency is still thin. So teams are looking to be more active uh, in trades this offseason because the free agency sucks. Uh, currently, also no one has any money. Yeah, and everyone's poor. Oh, I'm poor. C- 
currently we have more needs than there are players available. That was another interesting point. Uh, Iserman says we need everything and those things aren't all available. He says the plan was not just okay on the draft says the plan was not just big defensemen. Someone's like, you draft a lot of big defensemen. He's like, yeah, I know Uh, that wasn't the plan. They liked them at prospects and they still picked their best player available based on their list. On Liam Dower Nilsson, Hakan Anderson and Cronwall, they know the family very well. He was asked if like you picked his brother. So did you pick him just because, you know, his brother? He's like, no, like Hawkins over there. Croner's over there. They watch him play. They know the family. They know him as a person that helped in picking Liam Dower Nilsson. On Augustine, they saw a lot of him. Uh, Iserman was very complimentary. He's a very competitive goalie, looks good in net, moves well, has good positioning. These are all words that came out of Steve Eiserman's mouth. It's like the most I've ever heard him talk about a player. So that was kind of exciting because he really, really likes the goalie that was picked. Uh, on the position of the team, in the offseason, Eiserman says they're positioned reasonably well to make trades or sign free agents, but won't make moves just to make moves. He's like, I've got the cap. I've got Wait, the assets. Did you hear that? There's another quote coming up that I want you to listen to. Continue, Greg. I've got the stuff to make moves, but I'm not just going to do it to do it. Um, my note, and this is just a personal one for me, Iserman was talking while Bad Guy by Billy Eilish was playing in the background. So I feel like that is now Iserman's theme song because it's hilarious. I just want that song. I don't know what that means. You don't you don't know the song Bad Guy by I Billy Eilish? I don't know the song. Maybe either. if I heard it, I would know. Oh, my God. Okay, Not something guys. I would go out of my way for to listen to. Okay. Well, it was on, and I thought it was funny because it just, it's Iserman and Bad Guy was playing. I thought it was really good. Okay. I'm, <laughs> priorities, Iserman would like to add offense, but there are no guarantees that he can do anything because that's the nature of free agency. Players pick where they want to go, and he's not going to overpay for people. And... You are lucky to get one or two of your free agent wishes. They were super lucky to get what they got last season. And that was basically what he signed off with. He's like, you can want all the free agents you want, but those free agents also have to want to play for you. So that is the other half of it. And you have to want to give them the money. They like they're going to go to whoever's going to pay them more, give them the highest term. They're not going to come to us because we're the Red Wings like that. Yeah, Tyler. Hold some Andrew weight. Cops but- the only one last year because of the whole Michigan ties. Andrew Cop's deal is fine. Like he was paid know, market that. rate. That's what, that's what no, I'm he's saying. saying like probably a team friendly deal, decent players and shit like that. So that was basically Iserman's presser. Uh, a lot of good stuff in there, basically on or a lot of good stuff in there on the draft on like uh Costin and Yamamoto's future with the team, what he plans to do in free agency, which we basically already knew already was go out and try to sign guys, but that the free agency sucks Big and that he's true. still trying to make trades. So, I know that song. I went and listened to it real quick. That's, that's yeah. That's there you go. See, yeah. So yeah. it's Eiserman's theme song now. Is "Bad Guy" Bang, by Billy Eilish. Yep. This one behind me was mortified that I didn't know the song, Ryan. Yeah, I am too. I'm mortified because it was a very popular song. <laughs> I at least know it. I just didn't know that was what it was. Jesus, oh. guys. So, I'm anything on Eiserman's presser? Did you pick anything out specifically? I know you want to dunk on Tyler about something, Ryan. Yeah, Tyler, you want to you want to revisit our text messages from earlier today? Yeah, I do. So why don't you restate for the jury 
What was that you said? I didn't care for what Eisenman said prior to the draft. It wasn't prior to. It was right at that night. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you're right. After he's after he drafted. Um, um, Here's the quote that's in question for those right. that are curious. Okay. Steve Eisenman. This is Brad Galley on Twitter. Steve Eisenman addresses the state of the Red Wings. Quote, we're still in a rebuilding phase. We're still collecting assets through the draft. We're still there. We're not at a point where we feel like we can go for it. We're progressing. I hope to be there sooner than later. End quote. You mean makes total sense? Like exactly what we're ha- what's happening oh, yeah. in your Tyler, five no, rebuilds? Let's, let's go, Tyler. Go right, ahead. but I, I, hate, I hate the fact that he said we're still in a rebuild. Why, like... Because to me, a rebuild is the beginning of it, and we're not at the beginning of it. And the, also, no, the other the whole, thing is, the whole, is everyone talks. Process. Hold on, everyone talks about the whole like, oh, we we can't trade any assets away for Alex to bring it. Yeah, you can. Why can't you? You can do both. You can be quote unquote rebuilding, and time at out. the same time, you can still be acquiring assets and 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 be pushing yourself towards contention, but you're not quote unquote towards contention just yet. Steve Eisenberg never said that he wouldn't do something like that. It makes it sound like that when he says we're still in a rebuild. You just said people are saying and then put that into Steve Eisenberg's mouth. That's not what's being said. He said he's made it the point very clear several times over that he will go after players when he thinks that this team is ready to go after the said players. Maybe that's not right now, which it's hard to disagree with him on that. Then why did you sign Andrew Kopp last year? Because you needed a center. And you need a goal scorer right now. Okay. Sure, and free agency starts in two days. And who are you going to get in free agency that can put the puck in the trades, back of the Trades still happen throughout that yeah, whole thing. whole three months to go. That's that's the biggest need happening. to me. Huh? Defense also, but definitely goal scoring. Well, yeah. Just wait until Pierre Dorian sweats himself out of his cheap suit and then has to trade Alex to bring it for peanuts and the entire sense fan base implodes. You'll get Tarasenko for cheap. There he goes. There, there's your goal scorer. Sure. It's not a bad I mean, idea, actually. Eh, the only thing that worries me about Tarasenko is his injury history. Oh, I know. You're not giving him a five-year deal. Maybe a ter- yeah, no, Tarasenko a two-year not. deal, three-year deal. You could go get a Ryan O'Reilly. I mm, okay. There's options out there, but they're not high. Listen, Ryan, none of that really rustles my Jimmy's man. I'm not gonna go ahead and just go out and grab some guy to grab some guy. Just like that's a great quote and a great soundbite for anyone that's pulling stuff. Um, but I just it's and Eiserman said the same thing. I'm not gonna sign a guy just to sign a guy. I'm not gonna make a trade just to make a trade. It's got to make sense because his other quote was, "When you go out and trade for a guy." You got to be prepared to do two things. You've got to be prepared to spend a lot of assets and then spend a lot of money in term to be able to sign that guy. And that's the big thing is you've got to basically give up twice to get a young player away from another team. And that's why then I said you better if you start drafting superstars. You the team can't. That's the thing. We you get shafted in the lottery over and over and over again. And yeah, you're we picking that. Danielson's a Jason Robertson type player. Great. Yeah. The, the hope, hope is worthless. I basically. Know. That's what, I'm that's like, what you, it is. You, hope, you don't know. Holds no value. No, they're not no. winning the lottery. Fucking sucked. Yep. My so, thing is, is, is in a rebuild or, or wherever we're at at this point, when you're still in transition, I guess it's probably a better way to put it. You need to take risks once in a while to push yourself forward, not to push yourself over the top, and do what Boston did or do what 
what any Toronto did or Edmonton did and trade crazy assets for for one player that's a rental or anything like that. Don't be but dumb. It Don't would be, be dumb. Allen. I'm not saying that you would do that. I'm saying that if you were to acquire to bring it, you're signing an extension. Yeah. Or if well, you that's or the not even just Nylander, not, not even just the Brinkett, Nylander too. So trade the Boston first, a second round pick, Jonathan Berggren, and Albert Johansson for William Nylander. Do I'd it. do it. Great. Now you're working with picks next season, which right now don't really matter very much until the draft comes around. You can do something like that. You can go out and maybe still see if Clayton Keller's dad is mad. That's another thing you can go do. So it's, I mean, there's options. And we have the entire summer for something like this to happen. Yep. Free agency, more stuff will happen. Well, there are teams gonna, that are still... It won't be the entire summer because you've got arbitration coming up. And I don't think uh, Ottawa wants to go to arbitration with uh, Mr. Debrinkit. Walk to bring it to free agency. We'll uh-huh. take them for free. That's fine. My my thing is that there's still teams that are cap crunch. There's still teams that need to make moves in the next few days. So you'll probably see trades tomorrow. You'll probably see trades on July first. The draft. That is the. This is like I think they said the first time in what sixty years that a trade has not been made on day one of the draft. Like it's it was an insane number. It's the NFL and NBA have it right. These these general managers in the NHL are a bunch of I don't even know what the word to, is to say, but they they're so afraid to trade picks, they're so afraid to trade prospects, and I guess the reason the biggest reason is at this point no one has any money, no one has any cap, and the teams that do don't want to take on cap. So it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't kind of thing. And it's a they're in a tough position with the cap not going up much. Well, the cap goes up after this season. So a million dollars this season. After the season, it goes up probably we four or five. No, it will. It, it absolutely yeah. will because escrow will be paid off. But we can take it, still take advantage of teams because there are still a lot of teams that are over cap or that are going to be over cap that have to make moves, that have to bring people in, that have to sign their free agents to extensions. And we are still about $6 million under the cap floor, five point something. So I that's I mean, I guess that's where we're going to leave it tonight because Tyler has to go get drunk. Right. Yeah. Because people are waiting for you. That's correct. Great. All right. Final thoughts, Ryan. We're going to start with you. We're going to make Tyler wait. Final thoughts. Um, another good draft. I'm going to I'm going to go with good because we don't know how things are going to play out. We've got a whole summer to let these guys get acclimated, see what happens. The, the next couple of days are going to be fun with a development camp. And then we'll see most, if not all later this fall, hopefully uh, when it comes to the prospect tournament and prospect camp and everything else. So training camp, if you will. Um, but no, I'm, I'm happy with what they did. They addressed need. They went size. They went skill. I think that's the biggest thing out of it in terms of their top picks. Um, other than Sandy and Pelica, that's where the skill part comes in. Not necessarily size, but Outside of that, like it's this is the it's not the make it's not make or break yet. We've got this is another summer where there has to be improvements made. If we have improvement, we're in a good spot. We're already seeing a huge roster turnover again, which is what you should be expecting with Eiserman at this point, because he the roster is his. 
He shed so much already. We've got Abdelkader getting paid for three more years on on dead cap, but it's the start of a new era is arguably now here because you got Casper, you got Edvinson, Johansson, Sider, Raymond. All of these young guys are likely now going to be making an impact on the roster. So hopefully most of them, there's certain ones we know will be there, but others will be on this roster come fall. So the skills there, it's just a matter of time. Now we now that patience part comes in on our part. So we'll see what happens. Already ran 33. Yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. Um, patience is certainly something that that with prospects is something that's going to be important going forward. Um, you know, I'm kind of excited for free agency. Um, just I, I you would think there'd be more trades, uh, at least on that day. Um, you know, going into the weekend. I, I told one of my friends today, I'm like, I think this weekend has a potential to be really, really active in the NHL just because there's so many teams up against the cap, so many teams trying to get under it and, uh, you know, just stuff like that. So we'll see what happens with that. But go ahead, Ryan. I, I was going to say Saturday gets interesting because now we can start seeing extensions get brought in as well. So like to your point of trades, like Saturday, Sunday, yeah, it's a holiday weekend. But there could be a lot of things going on in terms of moving pieces, especially. But Ryan, are you ready? Are you ready for an idea you're going to hate? No one's going to do anything until after the holiday. No, that Tyler Bertuzzi could go to the Chicago Blackhawks. God damn it! You had to say that, Greg. I was having a good night. Rowan says his amusement has been tempered as I note the evil no good dark birds have twenty four million dollars in cap space. The evil no good dark birds. I like that. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with this weekend. I don't anticipate too much happening in free agency for the wings. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Good draft um, pushing forward. And, and hopefully we get one of those trades or um, or a free agency signing that we like. Otherwise, everyone have a good summer. You can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Yeah, man, I'm happy. I'm happy with the draft. There are a lot of people that are disappointed. I'm happy. I need to be happy. Right, Ryan? We need to be happy and positive for the season. happy, Greg. So they will be streaming the development camp. There are some uh, scrimmages that they're streaming. Go check out the schedule. I think they posted it online. You can go take a look at it. Uh, It's over the next few days is going to be the development camp. I don't believe it's open to the public this season. It, It was previously. I don't think it is again. Uh, you can follow me online at Bring the Wing, follow Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Sub to us on YouTube if you're listening not on YouTube. Go drop us a sub, and you can stay updated there for our content. We give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network. Yeah, that's who they are. The Hockey I'm Podcast Network. Yeah, the Hockey, I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us and spreading us around. Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. Go get that Nate Danielson jersey. Get that uh, ordered up before uh, Fanatics takes over and ruins absolutely everything. If you use the promo code GRINDLINE on Howie's Hockey Tape, you get 10% off. Use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back. You get 12% off. And you can check out our merch on RedBubble.com by going to RedBubble.com and searching the GRINDLINE. But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.